Uh, hello and welcome to a very special episode of what we're listening to. The uh, Ice Queen has fully de-thawed and uh, has cursed the land. My name is Josh. I'm one of your hosts. And uh, hopefully not far behind is Aslan and my good friend Asher. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm not too far behind. <laughs> Merry Christmas, man. You know what? I haven't. Merry Christmas to you too, man. I actually haven't heard a lot of Mariah around. <laughs> but um, I saw this thing about like doing, trying to do whamness, which is like avoid listening to last Christmas <laughs> in December. And it's like, it's so impossible. <laughs> Yeah. That song just, I don't know why, it just is everywhere. And it's the same songs every year. Yeah, it's a, it's a self-permeating touchstone and I don't really know how that happened, but some, some yeah, marketing company Yeah, I wonder if we'll go through well. like a state. Yeah, and will we like go through a lull where we're just all sick of it or like <laughs> what's going to happen next? Who's going to fill the void? I just hope anyway. that it's played at her funeral one day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that the analogy or the, the anyway. song there means. <laughs> okay, I you you have a quiz for me, and I have a tiny bit of follow up from a year ago. <laughs> Great. I mean, this yeah. th- this is what I would call this uh, an underarm pitch. It's pretty easy, I think. Um, okay, but we, we're talking about Christmas music and Christmas albums this year, and I want you to tell me this modern iteration of Christmas music going from like the 1900s. What was the first, mm. like, actually released Christmas album? Oh, like, just any, like, any album? So there's kind of one that's kind of uh, seen as, like, the first um, one of these that was put out at the time. Um, I, can give you, uh, I can give you a decade if you like. Sure. I don't know if it's going to help me. I feel like I'm blanking on this it one. It was in the 1940s. Oh, who's the dude who did like, um, <laughs> it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Is that Williams? Mm, 1940s. I don't know. I don't know. Is it Ella? Is it Ella Fitzgerald? It is that Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> it is. Oh, so it's the one you gave me. I didn't even no, look at the. It's Bing the, Crosby. The, oh, okay. He put out right. an album called Merry Christmas in 1942. And it's kind of seen as the first full Christmas album. Um, okay. It's also kind of what started this weird phenomenon of like jazz and Christmas association as well. Okay. I'm looking at it now. Is it the Christmas classics? Uh, th- these often get rebranded and resold to kind of make more numbers. Oh, right. That's probably an addition of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Look at that cover. Big old bin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I mean, like, I've probably heard a ton of these, you know, like in Home Alone and all that yeah, jazz. Yeah. Okay, Frosty the Snowman. Interesting, 1940s. I suppose that's around the same, yeah, the right time. Yeah, jazz time. Who? Jazz time, yeah. <laughs> and fits well with what you gave me. When is the Ella album from? Uh, late 60s, I think, like 67. Right. That's a stab in the dark. Uh, Ella wishes you a swinging Christmas I think I don't know if that's the one Speaking of wild album covers Yeah, 1967 Yeah, I think that's the one Oh, no, no It's a different one Anyway, sorry We'll come back to that (laughs) Yeah No worries We're good We're good Hey, so I have a tiny bit of follow-up 
Yeah, some some, um, some Christmas follow up. Yeah, so you know how last year you gave me um, uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I have been listening to that album a lot this Christmas um, and I've obviously been really enjoying it, but I found the like super deluxe version. Mm. It has 80 tracks on it. <laughs> So it has all these different takes. And the thing that I was reading about was like, obviously this is a jazz trio or jazz quartet or something, and they did it all live. And so they just did take after take after take. And there's like, you know, track 66 is like Greensleeves takes two through four, (laughs) October 28th, 1965. And then like, Track 69 is Greensleeves take seven and then Greensleeves take eight and then Greensleeves takes nine to ten and then 11, 12. Like it's just, sure. it's so many different versions and sometimes they're swung, sometimes they're like taking it different feels or all the chords are preempted this time and it's like, it's so fascinating listening to, you know, Vince and the crew like reinterpreting these songs and you realise that like the ones that make it on the album as the finals aren't perfect either. Mm. Like even on O Tenenbaum, there's like a few bung notes right in the start and it's very cool. Like it feels very live and you can hear them like counting in or they'll start do a false start and they're like, oh, uh, uh, try it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you haven't checked it out or if listeners haven't checked it out, go find the super deluxe version. It's four hours long. It's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we definitely so, take for granted like the the process of recording recording modern music to quite a degree. Like, like like playing yeah. something like this and getting a good take could take so long before. Yeah, for sure. Like Especially when you're, I mean, that's jazz music, right? It's often done live yeah. in the same room, kind of thing, because it's it's so much about listening to each other and, um, yeah. But it sounds it sounds really interesting, and apparently Vince didn't credit his session musicians a lot, so people took a while to figure out who was actually playing on the album with him. <laughs> you'd think that you'd write these things down, but oh, you know, whatever. Jazz. Oh, jazz! Oh, Vince! <clears throat> I know that he also did the like, um, oh, what's that? Black Ophelia, something? Um, Black Orpheus, sorry, um, soundtrack, and I've heard that's really good. Okay, so. Anyway, that was just like a little bit of follow-up because you got me into that album and, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, it actually ties into your review a little bit. So I suppose we'll get to that later on. I guess so. Yeah. Did you have any follow-up from like two months ago? I mean, only like a kind of depressing piece. I'm not sure if I should say it or not. Yeah. Kind of like as the year wraps up, I think it's been a pretty tough year for a lot of um, people who work at like music services and... Oh yeah, like digital artistry to 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 generalize. Um, yeah, so this is kind of a, a once again saying you should directly support the artists you want to and um, buy physical media instead of <laughs> streaming digital. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, so I've I've been, I think that the big news, like, there's been lots of different things, but you know, like Spotify announcing, oh hey, next year. We're not actually going to pay you unless you make a threshold of streams. Mm. Like, not only going to play you like diddly squat. <laughs> I was just like, I have to go. So I'm doing title now. I just, you know, 
and that's fine. Like if you want to do Spotify, do Spotify. But yeah. it's like it just feels so ridiculous that somehow we've made the standard such a very, very, very low bar of. <laughs> I don't know. It's like what what can people do now? How does how do musicians and like it's just kind of making it more about an elite thing like oh you're only a musician when you can make it big because you can't just like make a living doing things small because yeah. small doesn't count in the eyes of streaming. Yeah, like it, it's it's strangely kind of working its way back to a place where like only the wealthy will be able to afford like having musicians like it's kind of a yeah, like back in the days of like having patrons and that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know, but also at the same time, you have like yeah. Taylor Swift making a bazillion dollars in a year. So who knows what will happen, really? Anyway, it's a weird world. I'm <laughs> glad I'm not trying to make it as a musician. <laughs> it's just really hellish. Yeah, no, it is it is a bit of a sad end to 2023, seeing kind of yeah digital media being so. I mean, even Tidal laid off what. 10% of their workforce. Yeah. And you're just like, blah. I mean, I don't know how the inner workings of that work. It's just, yeah, but it's just a bit rough. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> it's a good Christmas cheer yes. topic, everyone. <laughs> the demise of digital media. Uh, yeah. um, should, we, um, should we head into uh, review time? Yes, please. Maybe two days ago, um, mm. there was a uh, full kind of release, and I was wondering if this was going to happen, um, from mm. the Oh Hellos, um, Texan folk indie band, um, who have a, a fairly, like, uh, what's the word? Um, a fairly uh, well-renowned Christmas album from a decade ago at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I keep forgetting how long ago it was. Yeah, I know, right? And they teased like a song a couple of weeks ago and then put out a full EP again, the kind of a, a, a volume two of their family Christmas album. Um, mm. And you and I have both very much enjoyed both the Oholos and also their Christmas, their first Christmas album. Um, yes. It's kind of a great mix of uh, interesting takes on traditional hymns and then some kind of great medleys of putting songs together, which... Um, I really like upbeat and uplifting and um, at the time rather unique I think um, yeah definitely yeah yeah. at the time I think apart from like Sufjan there weren't a ton of other people doing really interesting Christmas songs like that mm. maybe there were but I didn't know many of them yeah so I, th- yeah. I would say this second volume is a bit different from its predecessor um Mm. It's more focused on either original compositions or like uh, non-hymn or like early traditional kind of wintertime music. Like there's some aspects of um, like the Welsh Winter Festival where they um, don't let that weird goat skull thing around the village. Um, (laughs) It's on the cover too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I forget it's quite a good cover. The thing's name is it's freaky. Um, <laughs> so they kind of they've kind of taken a bit a di- bit of a different approach, and then there's also an, uh, a more modern focus on um, wintertime in Texas, um, especially in light of the last couple of years where um, it's been really cold and the power has gone out and that kind of stuff has happened. So I think it kind of 
interpolating uh, of, of these ideas. Interesting. Um, all that being said, I think uh, whether it's the subject matter or the nature of the compositions themselves, I would say this is a generally more melancholy project. Um, mm. And I don't know if that's like, you know, Chris, Christmas hymns are typically very positive and uplifting in their um, in their kind of lyrical structure and composition. And some of these aren't necessarily as much. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it as much as their first one. Um, mm, yeah, did I? But as someone who doesn't particularly enjoy Christmas music, you know, beggars can't be choosers, and this is still really good. Is kind of what my <laughs> my final thought was on it. You have a you have a podcasting mate who forces you to do one every year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it's well it's well written, it's well mastered, and the songs are great. I think the last one especially is my favorite. Um, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that, that's that's, um, that's got the Welsh part in quite, it. Okay, and obviously the first one, Go Was. Oh, sorry, second track after the little intro, the Goa Wasil yeah. is also a Welsh, uh, I'm looking it up now, is a, a Welsh song as well. Um, yeah, where wassailing is a midwinter tradition where, wherein either orchids or households are blessed by geysers, geysers, <laughs> um, which came to Wales to exposure to English custom. Anyway, so I really like that track because they've always been quite influenced by Celtic sort of feels and yeah. it makes sense that they're like pulling in these more left of field um, kind of almost uh, what's the word it's not yeah that like um, I think of um, Coventry Carol you know that one sure which they did on their first album like it's that darker sort of Christmas album yeah. sort of material yeah and I yeah, think I quite like in a, a lot of cases when it comes to like indie musicians doing Christmas music, um, it often falls into the category of like um, solo piece in large reverb room. And it's kind of depressing. And like, you know, yeah. like the Bright Eyes did um, or we talked about another one last year. Like it kind of it's I think it's kind of played That's out. Right, yeah. And this is a very different serving while still having some of those darker themes in it, um, yeah. it manages to, to cut itself out of the, the regular crowd a little bit. I think it's quite a melancholy sort of thing. So they put out the uh, single December 04, which is kind of like this, it seems like a reflection of how when they were younger, they were so excited by, you know, an inch of snow <laughs> and like here decades older, I'm less impressed. Seems the blessed only comes with bitterness. Like it's the kind of like, you know, a decade on from their previous one, but also older still from December 04 when they were younger and enjoying this sort of thing. So it's the 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 melancholy side of Christmas and getting older and the, kind of the magic changing on all this sort of thing. Yeah, which is, yeah. Which is fair. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, yeah, once again, the Ohalos are always a welcome sight in general and especially around yeah. this time of year. <laughs> Yeah, and you've been you got their previous one on vinyl. Is that good? It yeah, uh, it fits yeah. perfectly on a double side too, which is really great. Like it has like the the lead song and then the medley, and then you flip it over and it's the same thing on the other side, which is great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like it when they do that rather than kind of breaking it up and having massive silence at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
The thing I did miss compared to their first Christmas album um, was the like the kind of movements. I thought that, mm. you know, obviously we've talked about this before, but the four movements, it's just this brilliant interweaving of different Christmas carols. And yeah, it's the symphony style, right? It's the recapitulation at the end where they end with the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel sort yeah. of thing. And it's just, um, it, I mean, it's just so brilliant. It's really hard to top. And so I'm glad they still put out something, even though like their first one was so well received and probably hard to do something that great again so so quickly. I don't know. But um I yeah, I still I kind of missed that. But at the same time, like I was listening to it the second or third time today and I was like, I quite like I think this is gonna grow on me. I think these songs mm. are really sweet. And I did love the cover of the Christmas Time is Here, which I thought was cool because um, normally you hear it with the high children singing it on uh, Vince's album. Yeah, and here it's just a little bit, uh, a little bit more kind of um, contemporary, I suppose. Yeah. I, I could be wrong about this. I believe a number of these songs, that, like they've done a couple Christmas shows. Um, right. And they play yeah. a lot of these numbers. So I think the second album is kind of a bunch of songs that they would also play at those that kind of put down the record for the first time. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah, it says it in yeah it says it in the notes there. Yeah, that's okay. right. I love the um, yeah the Oh Hello's pulled inspiration from song arrangements performed on previous tours, medieval motets, moody Yuletide carols, predating the comfortable glow of the mid 20th century nostalgia, <laughs> and family holiday gathering traditions we love to pretend to hate. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's good. Yeah. No, I was glad that they put something out. I was, uh, we've had a few artists tease things, like even me without you had that silly hallmark <laughs> tease and then it just turned out to be merch. I'm like, boring. I want Christmas. <laughs> I want I want Christmas music from you, Aaron. <laughs> I mean, I'd listen to it. I probably wouldn't enjoy it, but it'd certainly be quite something to hear me without you make a Christmas song for sure. Can you imagine, like, you know, um, you know, some of those songs done as spoken word indie rock songs? Amazing. <laughs> I should just petition them. I thought that Gloa Wassel actually had some elements um, of that. Like, it felt a little bit, a little bit me without you. I don't know why, but anyway, cool. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm glad this came out so you had something and you weren't just kind of like... Yeah, Bleh. I was doing hodgepodge <laughs> stuff before. Um, how about you, sir? What have you been listening to? Oh, something that brought you a lot of cheer, didn't <laughs> it? Um, I mean, I've been, as always, listening to a whole bunch of weird crap around Christmas time. <laughs> um, and I could talk about another Harrison Lemke album, but I will do that in the honourable mentions. Um, one thing I found which I actually enjoyed a strange amount was um, a series of three albums by a man named Nick Reinhardt. He's a guitarist from the States. He put out these three EPs called Satan's Power, <laughs> one, two, and three. And it sounds a little dark at first, but um, and I think it's meant to be a bit edgy, but at the same time, it's taken from that Carol God Rescue Merry Gentleman. Yeah. Um, Let nothing you dismay, like, to free them all from Satan's power etc 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 so all yeah good tidings of comfort and joy and i listened to them at first kind of as a little bit of a joke and then i came to kind of really appreciate <laughs> um the strangeness like his 
his shtick is that like all of his albums are pretty much only guitar. Like he, you know, you look at his discography on Bandcamp and he's got these three Christmas albums, but then he's got like some scary sounds where he's just made like Halloween sounds using (laughs) weird guitar sounds. And then he's got one called Cellular Music and it's like 150 tracks of just weird guitar blips and blops. And it's like quite, he's really committed and it's just quite interesting. And so when you listen to these Christmas carols, what he'll do is, you know, say he'll do um, Silent Night. Instead of playing the melody and just having chords in the background, he'll kind of like harmonize the melody with all with single tracked guitars and then like play the voicings as single notes rather than like the whole chord. So it sounds like a whole like honky tonk guitar orchestra at school. Yeah. And they've got the like the cruddiest clean tone you've ever heard sometimes. <laughs> it's like wow, 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 but um, as they go through Satan's Vow 1, 2 and 3, they get like a little bit more elaborate. So by 3, which is what I sent you, like Joy to the World is actually like quite intense and really interesting reharmonization of the melody. So actually quite enjoyed it, like <laughs> unironically by the end. <laughs> what, what were your impressions? Yes. Well, my first that I have here is, is I don't know what this is. I... Um Oh yeah, that's one of the tags. Though. It is. And I, th- I, I agree with that. I, um, I think you. I, I don't know. From the one that I listened to, I think there's also an element of, like, uh, what's the word? Like shifted chord progressions to being off the regular yeah. um, melody. So you kind of like have a joy to the world, and he kind of pushes one of the notes in the progression to like a different step. Yeah. And then like, yes, it, he does. It doesn't sound right. It kind of makes it sound like you know, like weird wacky fun land Christmas music and it's all kind of disorienting and off balance. I, I mean Were you expecting anything less from me? It, it's certainly unique. And I'm glad people like this exist. I don't know if I'd listen to it for fun. Um <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. I mean what else could you say? <laughs> it's it's yeah. It's certainly interesting. I Yeah. It's just, I think when people commit to something to such an extent, it goes past the the realm of being a troll to like, oh, you're actually very good at this kind of thing. <laughs> and listening to his other work, I'm like, yeah, you're like, you know how to control tone and you know how to like, and there's even though, even on um, Satan's Power 2, there's Ode to Joy and it kind of ends with these beautiful vocals. Like he has the interesting contrast of really abrasive guitar sounds with actually quite pleasant sections. And mm. so, I don't know, you know, props to him for following through on it <laughs> and all that sort of thing. I mean, I don't have anything more than that except it's like, oh, I just like it when people kind of reharmonize and do things differently. It's an interesting so it's dichotomy cool. for sure. Yeah, I know that he's going for like the spooky ha 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 Halloween Christmas music kind of thing, <laughs> but it's that's a thing, by the way. <laughs> So, I don't know. Of all the other things I could have talked about, that was just one. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, apart from that, though, I mean, I will just I will just mention um, uh, Harrison's here as well. I might as well. Mm. Because 
I have really admired uh, last year. I think I reviewed Harrison Lemke's music, but I'm just still stunned by his like, I don't know, comforting songwriting. So alongside the weird guitar stuff, I've been listening to his first album on Bandcamp called Twelve Nights. Okay, and and it's just like, yeah, <laughs> all the gloomy excess, quiet hope, and shameless materialism. And overwrought religious significance of Christmas tackled feebly in 12 days worth, give or take, of original songs. And I don't know, just side by side, I was like, I really enjoyed this as like a bit of a Jeff Magnum sort of feel of Christmas. Okay. Like if Neutral Milk were to do a bit more of a like less intense version of their songs but do Christmas stuff, I feel like that could be it. So I don't know. There were elements of that. Sure. So I will... I, if I can find either of these albums on um, any streaming, Spotify or whatever, I'll put them on. But otherwise, please check out the albums in the show notes because you'll be richly rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we move on to homework? Sure. Um. So probably stupidly, I I hunted down the infamous Arcade Fire Christmas album on the Internet Archive dot uh, org, and it's just four tracks, um, apparently recorded in a drunken uh, state, um, just for fun, with a whole bunch of people at a Christmas party in two thousand one, and. Um, they're quite terrible, but I thought I'd send them on to Josh since he loves Arcade Fire so much. And uh, what did you think of a very arcade Xmas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, like it, it's it's it should be very clear that this music was never intended for public consumption or like internet release. Um, <laughs> the the fact that we can only listen to it on a single internet archival site is a demonstration of how hard they've tried to get rid of this thing. Um, <laughs> I bet they're like cursing the day they even gave it yeah. as, a, as a, like a gift. So, so like the only way to listen to this and it's full, I think there are actually some other tracks, but they're physical media only like people who have them. Um, wow. And this, this was uh, given to friends of theirs before their first album ever came out where they're still kind of, making some noise in Montreal on their own. Um, that all being said, this album is truly terrible. Um, <laughs> there's obviously a spectrum between like music that's or art that's so bad that it gets entertaining um, and art that's so bad that it's just definitely annoying. And this is definitely the second of those two. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that it might be slightly endearing, but it just is, it's not great. Yeah. I can barely listen to each of the tracks. Yeah, so, so, like something, like we, we talked about it a lot in Christmas time, the infamous Crash Test Dummies album that we love so much. Yes. That is yeah. obviously one of those so bad it's good because they're going for yeah. weird Frankenstein Christmas holiday in LA music and um, they pull it off well enough and actually stick to performing it in such a way that you can actually listen to it. Whereas most of these Arcade Fire recordings, the kind of predominant feature is like chaos and mistakes. Um, 
It's not recorded very well either. No, like it, I should say, it's like recorded live at a party. So yeah. compared to a studio album of Crash Test Dummies, it's a bit unfair, but I, I get what you mean. The kind, the kind of thing I didn't expect is that it gets progressively more unhinged as you go through it. <laughs> like the tracks <laughs> fall apart more and more, which you wouldn't think is possible after you get past the second one. Uh. <laughs> I feel like if it because I didn't properly listen to this, I was like, I'm just gonna troll you with this one. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did. I did like a bit of looking around. I I have yet to yeah. find any actual confirmation sources for fa- the fact that they were inebriated when they made this. Um, okay. But it's just that believable that only a drunk person would do something this terrible and put it to recording and give it to people that it makes sense <laughs> and everyone believes it basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just was going off rumors, but no, that's fair yeah. to go. But like, it's not yet confirmed. Yeah, I, I can't ding them for it because it's not an official release. Like this isn't like like AM or whatever the last one was called. Like it's not like a they didn't put this out for people to actually listen to. And it's still a joke, even if it's a bad one, basically. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I think it's just interesting when, um, kind of artists do jokey stuff, but then it can catch up with them in different ways. Or like, for instance, remember the whole Godspeed You Gate with the um, first album, mm. which got leaked, and they didn't have it online because they kind of thought it was terrible and it didn't reflect the band and that sort of thing. And then someone leaked it, and then they were just like, okay, we'll put it out. I think think this is the unfortunate way that, you know, when you're big enough and famous enough, people kind of dig up all your crappy stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, um, yeah. you know, not that, not that I have anything like my early stuff hasn't actually survived. Some of it, I don't even know where it went. And in some ways that's a good thing. <laughs> and so I feel like a, a bit bad for Arcade Fire that, that this is like out there in the wild. Um but at the same time, I'm not dissing them for it. I just yeah. I think it's interesting to listen to. It's also like, but it's also interesting, the arrangements and that sort of thing, yeah. If you, like, the, the concept of, like, what the internet will do in 2001 is still very much a mystery as well. Like, they, there's no yeah, way they sure. could have known that if we give out a, a you know, a home-burnt CD to a friend of mine, that somehow mm. he's either going to, like, forget it and give it to somebody and they're going to put it on the internet five years later. Um, yeah who knows yeah it does make you a little bit cautious about your footprint (laughs) (laughs) and you know what you've made and what you put out and that sort of thing i still have copies of cds of music that i made in high school and they're on my shelf and i have never put them online (laughs) yeah yeah and i i so i made films when i was in like high (laughs) school and stuff and none of that is online either for me, like, you know, just because it's silly and embarrassing. And I kind of am glad that YouTube didn't exist when I was a kid because oh, yeah. I for sure would have put it out. Like, and I just wondered how that's going for like kids now who are getting older and realizing. Dude, the internet like, is such a wild thing, dude. I, yeah. <laughs> like maybe when the YouTube was like very in its infancy, because, you know, you go like to listen to music and that kind of stuff. Um, I was trying to find one of the Kinks song off that album that I gave you a year or two ago, and it wasn't online. Okay. So I just took a picture of the band playing and uploaded it myself. Like, we're completely not thinking of like anything. I just like I just want people to be able to listen to this 
And that was yeah, yeah, on yeah. my personal channel. And it had like a couple dozen thousand views on it before. I was like, hmm, I should take this down, actually. This is just yeah. straight up <laughs> stealing from Illegal. people. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, the internet is wild. Like it, it used to be wilder in some ways. Like it is still wild, but it's a, a little bit more tame in some aspects. But yeah, and I remember early YouTube as well. I remember watching like Me Without You clips. <laughs> that was like one of the first thing I watched. Oh, Norma Jean, I think. Yeah. Norma anyway, Jean. sorry. We're getting off topic a bit. But yes. I mean, I'm not sure if there's much more to say about yeah. a very arcade Christmas, <laughs> but there it is. <laughs> this album sucks. Next. <laughs> Let's talk about something that's good. Yeah. You, you tell me what you gave me because um, I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah, I kind of went over... I, I'm not a Christmas music aficionado. Um, some various lists of like, what are some of the better Christmas music albums of all time? And there's some big classics up there, such as the Charlie Brown mm-hmm. one. Uh, but on a number of them was this particular Ella Fitzgerald album. Um, I don't know who made this album cover because it's quite strange. <laughs> I'm just crazy about horses. It's like a weird like, cartoon horse from like a children's show in the 2000s. I don't know what this thing is. Um, yeah, it's very weird. But obviously, Ella Fitzgerald, legendary, legendary singer. Um, mm-hmm. And this is kind of uh, near to her prime and the top of her kind of uh, fame, I think. So it's kind of, she's in full swing mode with this one. And it's kind of a, a bunch of wonderful swing arrangements with Ella singing on them. So, yeah. What did you think? This was amazing. Like, so I'm not like a huge commercial Christmas music fan. Mm. Um, But this was just stunning because she is so real and raw. Like you can just hear there's like so little production on her voice. It's just like her and her just chops and her ability to kind of work her way all around this song effortlessly. Mm. And the arrangements are wild. Like you... Start off with the Jingle Bells arrangement and it's just kind of like, you know, so fast and like swung and and all these like really interesting fills and horn parts and like so behind the scenes, I bet the person who arranged these, like so Frank Devol worked really hard. Like they're not just Pat, you know, crooner backing. Yeah. Like this is kind of some of these charts are like oh, I should do this with a jazz band. Like, this is really cool. Um, Because it wasn't just like only about her. There were moments where there were, you know, instrumental parts and that sort of thing. I I really enjoyed this from start to finish. Like, I I just, I, I found it funny too. Like, she didn't seem to take it super seriously. Mm. Like, I just quoted, literally at the end of Jingle Bells, she's, she's like, I'm so crazy about horses. And I don't even know if that's like... You know, Jingle Bells is a is a um, Thanksgiving carol, and I'm pretty sure that she's like adding in random stuff, but it's just it's so interestingly done. All of the songs, um, like there's classics which are a bit more slow, like What Do You Do in New Year's Eve, and um, but it's really nice hearing the originals because I've heard these like taken out of context. I'm pretty sure that. Even on the MF Doom album, some of these samples of you are used. Yeah, I think so. 
And so it's really interesting to hear just the original, like the chestnuts roasting on an open fire sort of thing, rather than it going moving into this like... <laughs> um, I don't know. It was This is a really... This is like much better than a lot of other commercial Christmas stuff I've heard. Like, I think it's just her voice. I think it just stands out. It's kind of rough at times and then really, really smooth. Um, I mean, like, I don't know if there's any standout songs apart from just the overall vibe that it's just great music. Did you give it a listen through as well? Yeah, I went went through it. I um, And I'm I'm admittedly not the hugest Ella Fitzgerald fan. Um, Mm Mm-hmm being like more kind of rhythm and instrument driven in how I listen to music. Um, yeah. That being said, she's obviously like immensely talented and she does a fantastic job on this record. Um, mm. Yeah. I did a bit of research into Frank Duvall and the Russ Garcia orchestra as well. It seems interesting that a lot of their uh, previous work has been in like television and Hollywood. So this kind of okay. um, arrangement for film and arranged for like other famous jazz pieces, Duvall did a lot of. He even has like four Oscars for Academy Awards for soundtracks and that kind of stuff. So wow. there's a lot of like real power behind her, especially those horns, as you pointed out. They do a really good job. Um, yeah. It's like wild triplet or duplet stuff in the middle. Do, 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 you know, just like really crazy yeah. um, lead-ins. Yeah. Like so one of the albums I thought about giving you was another jazz record that I kind of listened to. And that was much more experimental and different. And I think mm-hmm. like maybe a different stab of that would be good. But this is kind of like classic, but also like a gold standard at the same time. It's, it's just done really well. Yeah. And succeeds at everything it tries to do, essentially. It's classic, but not in the boring kind of mall music kind of way. Yeah. It's not meant to be just like kind of background, like she's performing these songs. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if she did, like, I, I don't know a lot about Ella Fitzgerald, to be honest. Like, I don't know, like, when, you know, when now we go, you release an album, you tour that album, all that kind of thing. Mm. Like, I wonder whether this was just a in-studio Christmas special or she would do Christmas concerts. I didn't, haven't done my research on this. Have you like, heard the uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong album? No. Ella no, and Louis? It's great. I might give that to you next year sometime, I guess. It is. Cool. It's a fabulous duo album. Yeah. I'm just saying she did. Um, oh. <laughs> was it? Um a series of six medleys that fulfilled her obligations to the label. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old label uh, obligation. Good old capital. <laughs> yeah. That's like so, um, what's his face? Um, no, I was about to say Woody Guthrie. <laughs> um, Bob Dylan. Oh, Bob Dylan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this uh, was great. And, and interestingly, alongside this, my brother-in-law sent me an album in a similar sort of vein by a woman named Aubrey Logan. And um, she's an amazing jazz singer as well, but she's also a trombone player. Mm -hmm. And I'll send you the link, but (laughs) interestingly, I played it. It starts with Sleigh Ride, like the most manic, hyperactive Sleigh Ride you've heard. (laughs) Uh, To to the point where my daughter's like, can we listen to the fast music? (laughs) I was like, sure, let's put that one on. But it's also it's also a bit dark too. It's like this this song called "This Is How It Ends," some like breakup song. So, 
anyway, similar vein, but different era and different sorts of content. So yeah, no, I've, I've been listening to a bit of jazz Christmas too. So thank you for that. Jazz Christmas. All right. Shall we move into honourable mentions? Why not? So, some honourable mentions. Uh, over the last like month and a bit, um, it's been the also the ten year anniversary of um, probably my favorite Violent Soho album, Hungry Ghost, and they've done. A extended edition release which has a bunch of b-sides on it um oh nice i have heard them before but they've been putting them out on streaming services and kind of more accessible ways of getting them and i don't know i really miss this band man these b-sides are also so so good um there's just something about this music that really just like clicks in my brain and i can't get rid of it so is that like tracks 12 through 14 domestic la la home haircut yeah stuff like that yeah Um, cool i'll have to have a listen <laughs> yeah, um, and then uh, a gang of youths put out a little little Christmas ditty. Um, yeah, that's right. Have yourself a, a merry Christmas. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean it's nice, and he sings really well in it. Um, yes, I feel like it's probably the most boring Christmas song ever made. <laughs> it's uh, it's. It is pretty like a. It sounds like a Disney um, song. Yeah. Like the like. <laughs> like it feels like something that Disney would have written in the nineteen, you know, thirties or forties. Yes, it's very saccharine, and um, I don't know. I guess maybe you were hoping for more from them, like a whole Christmas. Oh yeah. release. Um, I would have loved something bigger from them. <laughs> I could just do a whole band thing. That'd be awesome. That would be fun. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, the the lead singer of the Pogues recently passed away, Shane McGowan. All um, oh, right. And uh, I sent you that video. They had like a kind of a musical funeral for him in a big cathedral in Ireland. And oh, that's right, with um, Glenn Hansard. Yes, yeah, so Glenn Hansard and Lisa. Oh, I forgot her name. <laughs> Glenn and Lisa. Oh. Lisa Hannigan, I think. Um, I don't know Lisa Hannigan. They 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 sang that the the famous Pogues Christmas song. What's it called? Like Wintertime in New York or something like that? Battle of New York. I don't know much of the Pogues. Um, I'm, I'm losing Sorry. my Irish cred here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. It, it's You're done, of, man. It's like the most like... <laughs> I don't, like quote unquote kind of classical Irish thing you could ever imagine, which is like a big sing at a funeral, and like this it flashes to the stage and even like the priest in his robes in the background kind of like humming along. You're like, this is so. <laughs> yeah. Lisa O'Neill. Lisa O'Neill. Sorry, Lisa Hennigan's yeah, another fairy tale. Lisa Hennigan's I think is another Irish artist. Anyway. Um, right. Yeah. Yes. Pogues are great. Um, nice. Yes, I kind of talked this a little about Q earlier. I've given another go at the Slow Dive album. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, I th- I think my opinion on it as a whole hasn't changed. Um, but one of the songs on it um, called Andalusia Plays, I think is maybe my favorite song they've ever made. I, mm. um, I really love the space and way they've managed to give tone to that song. I think it's really great. 
Hmm. So that's kind of been heavy in my rotation outside of the actual album itself. I will give it another shot. Yeah. And then last, yeah. last but not least, um, you may have, you may have wanted to talk about this the, uh, <laughs> the the choral punk covers from Alex Melton. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of a weird composition. It reminded me of that thing that Teenage Engineering put out, which was a little like wooden um, human. Oh yeah, things yeah, that yeah. Would, the like, Sing to you. Um, yeah. Because it's just like his head pasted on bodies. That are stinging, um, but they're actually quite sweet. It, uh, it's kind of more obvious that Alex has some actual choral experience to some degree because he knows like bass and tenor parts properly. Um, yeah, uh, and some of them obviously work better than others. But some of these like weird Christmassy choral versions of like famous pop punk songs actually like work quite well, and it's quite strange. La 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 la. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this actually works. And that, that's kind of that weird. Was, yeah, good. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, good he's on. just like a millennialism in a box kind of thing. Yeah. And good on him. Um, yeah, that's all mine. Will mention, sir. How about you? Nice. Those are some good ones, man. <gasps> Look at you. Um, yeah. So I've talked about the Chai Brown outtakes, and I've talked about um, Arison Lemke. Um, I talk. Uh, let me talk about. Um, Greg Walker has released a new EP for Christmas. Um, so I've met, talked about Greg Walker in previous years and he's a songwriter I really enjoy and he's put out a few little EPs, or a little EP since um, his full length last year. And this one is called Ponderosa Pine. And they're again, original kind of semi-festive songs mm not like only loosely based on kind of advent you know some of them are but it's kind of more kind of biblical or like scriptural ideas with a little bit of to do with um you know the christmas story and stuff it's just really i find his music very comforting in the same way i find harrison lemke's music really comforting like there's a structure to it there's something familiar about the way he writes you know when you kind of come to an artist and you kind of feel sure of what they're going to sound like, well, yeah. what they're going to be at the base of their music and then what's on top of that, you know, will be new and different. But there's like a certain feeling of like, oh, this is what this artist sounds like mm. and it's kind of a comfort sound. Mm. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed that and I did get the um, the title track, um, Ponderosa Pine, I do get in my head. It, it's got a really nice melody to it. So, And that is leading into also... Um, Badgerland have released their latest album. I think it's the 14th or something um, Christmas album. I, again, was uh, lucky enough to contribute some tracks, but I've been listening through this and um, it's pretty funny. It's like <laughs> I feel like my tracks are more serious. <laughs> and I, um, But that's okay. You know, it's, it's a mishmash of different things. Um Harrison Lemke did a, a great 48-second song on there, which is cool. And Half Hand of Clouds is longer than his, so oh. there you go. Um, <laughs> Actually surprising. Which is, <laughs> it starts off as a little um, retelling of carrying a tr- Christmas tree on a bus and then it gets to a metaphysical idea about, you know, um, growing the tree inside all of us. So anyway, it's a classic Half Hand of Clouds. All within 50 seconds. 
Yeah, no, a minute, a minute and twenty seconds. You know, yeah, a bit longer. I did love um, Frederick Nietzsche's at the Christmas party. That's pretty fun too. Um, though they pronounce it Friedrich. Is it Friedrich? Mm. I don't know. Anyway, so anyway, check that out, Badgerland. It's funny as always. Um, and one last one. It wouldn't be uh, me without like an ambient album. <laughs> I found this like. It's called A Dark Ambient Christmas and it's it's kind of halfway between ambience and like Christmas wave. It's like a mishmash of, you know, kind of in the background choral Christmas songs with like washy sort of sounds, classic, uh, classic sorts of uh, things that I enjoy. So, yeah, but my listening has been all over the shop lately. So yes. you're getting the weird dregs of it. There we go. <laughs> That's us for a Christmas episode. Yeah. Oh, actually, we, we should also make mention um, mm-hmm. our our favorite Adelaide musician, Pierre. Um, oh, yes. If you haven't listened to his Christmas albums, mm-hmm. we both strongly suggest that you do because they are fantastic. Yeah. Um, also, we will be having an interview with him coming out, I think, soon, if not at the same time. Very soon. As this episode <laughs> itself. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun editing that. I had a big old goofy smile on my face the whole time, basically. So that was a lot of fun for me. <laughs> and it was very, very kind of Bray to kind of catch up and chat. I really appreciated him going into such detail about all these, um, yeah, just the different things that he's been making. And it'll go more into detail about those Christmas albums and the kind of wild creative, you know, splurge that he had. Yeah. So look out for that. That's going to be great. What was it, six months to make those two albums or something like that? Something, yeah, something, crazy. Something nuts. <laughs> Takes me like two months to record a song sometimes. So there you go. You make me tired, Bray. Good on you. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll close this out. Hey, thanks for listening. The backlog, the backlog of episodes is my bad. Um, having lots of episodes and not getting them to them because of other commitments Uh, They'll come out pretty soon and we'll also have our top five out pretty soon as well by the end of the year. And yeah, I hope it's been a good year for you all and thanks for listening and sending us music and listening to music and all that jazz. Uh, We'll catch you around. See you, Josh. See you, man.